This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mea Culpa Podcast. The notes left behind by former attorney Evan Corcoran have proved to be a bonanza for prosecutors investigating the former president in the so-called documents case. Corcoran's notes, first recorded into an iPhone and then transcribed onto paper, essentially gave prosecutors a roadmap to building their case. Trump pressured Corcoran to thwart investigators from reclaiming reams of classified material and even suggested to him that it might be better to lie to investigators and withhold the documents altogether. Now, earlier this year, over his strenuous objections, Jack Smith obtained the notes through the crime fraud exception rule, which allows prosecutors to work around the normal protections of attorney-client privilege if they have reason to believe and can demonstrate to a judge that a client used legal advice to further a crime. Now, those who know Trump understand how much he detests his lawyers or advisors taking notes or writing down anything that could be used against him. It's one of the reasons he's been so difficult to prosecute over all these years. He doesn't leave a paper trail. Yet Corcoran took a slew of notes using the voice memo application on his iPhone after a meeting about the subpoena issued in May of 2022 demanding the return of any classified documents still in his possession at Marilardo. And according to the voice memos, Corcoran warned the former president that not only did Trump have to fully comply with the subpoena, but that the FBI might search the estate if he didn't. Only minutes later, during a poolside chat away from Trump, Corcoran got his own warning from another Trump attorney. If you push Trump to comply with the subpoena, he's just going to go ballistic, Corcoran recalled. And these memories captured in a series of voice memos that Corcoran made on the iPhone the next day shed light on Trump's Herculean efforts to defy a federal subpoena. And it spotlights his frame of mind when he launched a conspiracy to hide classified documents from both the FBI as well as his own attorney. The recordings, which have become a key piece of evidence in special counsel Jack Smith classified documents case against Trump, contain information that was later described in Smith's publicly released indictment and in media reports, but many of the details in them have never been made public. Now, ABC News first reported the existence of these new recordings, and in their story, they recount the meeting that took place between Trump and Corcoran. When Corcoran joined Trump's legal team in April of last year, the FBI had already launched a criminal investigation into Trump's handling of classified information. And nearly 200 classified documents have been found in 15 boxes that Trump reluctantly sent back to the National Archives after months of demands, as the indictment stated. But Justice Department officials believe Trump was holding on to even more classified documents in other boxes at Mar-a-Lago and refusing to return them. So, on May 11th of 2022, the Justice Department issued a federal grand jury subpoena demanding the return of any and all classified documents. 
Corcoran and another Trump attorney, Jennifer Little, flew to Florida to meet with Trump. The next step was to speak with the former president about complying with that subpoena, Corcoran recalled in a voice memo the next day. But while sitting together in Trump's office in front of a Norman Rockwell-style painting depicting Ronald Reagan, Gerald Ford, Bill Clinton, and Trump playing poker, Trump, according to Corcoran's notes, wanted to discuss something else first, like how he was being unfairly targeted. As Corcoran later recalled in his recordings, Trump continuously wandered off topic unrelated to the subpoena. Hillary Clinton, the great things he's done for the country, and his big lead in the polls in the run-up to the 2024 Republican presidential primary race that Trump would officially join in November. But Corcoran and Little kept returning to the boxes, according to the transcripts. And Corcoran wanted Trump to understand, we were there to discuss responding to the subpoena, Corcoran even said in the memos. So as Corcoran described it in the recordings, he explained yet again to Trump during the meeting what the former president was facing. And I quote, We've got a grand jury subpoena, and the alternative is, if you don't comply with the grand jury subpoena, you could be held in contempt, Corcoran recalled telling Trump. And then Trump responded with a line included in the indictment against him, asking, and I quote, what happens if we just don't respond at all or don't play ball with them? So according to the notes, Corcoran responded, well, there's a prospect that they could go to a judge and get a search warrant and that they could arrive here. Now at that time, Trump had turned over 15 boxes of classified material from his Palm Beach abode, but the DOJ believed that he was hanging on to even more. And so, the FBI executed the search warrant at Mar-a-Lardo on August 8th of 2022, a move that Trump decried at the time as a shocking break-in and illegal raid and break-in. And since then, the recordings have emerged as the centerpiece of special counsel Jack Smith's case, accusing the former president of masterminding a criminal conspiracy to hide a treasure trove of classified records from federal officials, as well as his own lawyer, Corcoran. But during the May 2022 meeting, Trump continued pushing back on his lawyers, according to the indictment, and allegedly telling them, and I quote, I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. And wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here? Now, Little allegedly told Corcoran that there's no way Trump is going to agree to anything and that he was going to deny that there were any more boxes at all, according to the voice memo transcripts. So in the end, Trump agreed to have Corcoran return to Mar-a-Lago two weeks later to search the property's basement storage area for any classified documents. And the lawyer was assured that the subterranean storage space was the only place that contained classified records at Mar-a-Lago, with Trump allegedly telling him, and here's another quote, I've got boxes in my basement that I really wouldn't want you to go through. So over the course of the next two weeks, according to the indictment, a pair of workers at Mar-a-Lardo allegedly removed dozens of boxes from the storage room at Trump's direction. 
So when Corcoran returned to search the storage room, he found only 38 documents and handed them over to the FBI, along with a certification assuring the feds that the ex-president had fully complied with the subpoena. You see where this shit's going, my friends? But when FBI agents descended on Trump's Mar-a-Lago club in August, they discovered 102 more classified documents in boxes stashed throughout the property, including in the bathroom. At the time, Trump described the search as an unannounced raid on my home that he said was not necessary or appropriate. And I quote, These are dark times for our nation, as my beautiful home, not your home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents, Trump said in a statement at the time. And Corcoran's voice memos have become again a key piece of evidence in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into Trump's mishandling of classified documents and the indictment cites directly from Corcoran's notes that quoted statements Trump had made about the boxes of these classified documents. So this, folks, this is the smoking gun for an obstruction conviction. Corcoran, an attorney of impeccable credentials, or at least he was before getting involved with Donald, repeatedly warned his client to comply with the federal subpoena. And not only did Trump willfully ignore him, but Donald went on to take great pains to lie and to dupe him, forcing aide Walt Nada to hide boxes, and then, when it was shown that the hiding of those boxes was on Trump's surveillance system, well, what do you think Donald does? He tasked his team with erasing the footage. The individual in charge of the IT at Mar-a-Lago, Yusil Tavares, has now flipped and he too is now cooperating as a cooperating witness against the former president. To me, it sounds like the guy's fucked. There's much more to come, folks, but this case, this case right now is proof positive of the old maxim that the cover-up is always worse than the crime. And now for the main event. Joining us once again is legal ace and my friend, Harry Littman, the former U.S. attorney and deputy assistant attorney general. Littman is currently the legal affairs columnist for the Los Angeles Times and a professor of constitutional law at both UCLA and UCSD. Harry can be seen as a legal and political commentator on CBS. NPR, MSNBC, and CNN. Littman is also the creator and host of the Talking Feds podcast, so my recommendation is check out their latest show, featuring a who's who of prosecutory muscle and special guests like former Senator Al Franken. And also make sure to check out their new YouTube channel. It's fantastic. Now, they may have a face for radio, but it's content that you won't want to miss. New episodes are posted daily, and he features the greatest legal minds and tough-as-nails former prosecutors breaking down the legal news and all things Trump indictment. 
But today, Harry's here with us to give all of us the rundown on exactly what's happening in Georgia and to discuss just what the hell was on Evan Corcoran's iPhone and how it will damage Donald Trump. It's an amazing episode, so let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Harry, look, the shape of that Georgia trial against Donald and the 18 co-defendants, I mean, kicked off today. Not to mention it kicked off televised, right? I believe that many of these um, co-defendants will begin to start to point fingers at one another and ultimately point the finger, especially the middle finger, at Trump himself. What's your thoughts? And who do you think out of the 18 will be the first? Yeah, I agree with you totally. That's what happens in a trial and all these people who've been blithely pro-Trump. The rubber's hitting the road now. They're looking at financial ruin and you know, incarceration in a Georgia state prison. Let's see who might who might break first. I, you know, you look at people who are going to have expensive trials whom Trump won't pay for. So think about Jenna Ellis, who's been pretty vocal, saying, you know, he's not mm-hmm. he's not paying for me. Even a guy like Giuliani, you know, who's now really looking harsh at it. It's it's their own um, personal calculations. If Meadows loses the removal motion, as I think he would, he's a guy who, you know, I does not want to be going to Georgia State Prison. So I see, uh, you know, you 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 sort of serve up the people who feel like they just were trying to give advice. They weren't, you know, total uh, Trumpies like Chesbro seems to think. That's him now. And you combine those with people who don't have the resources to for what's it going to be? You would know even better because you've been through it, a half a million or more to defend. Those, I think, are your first um, most likely. So let me start with Ellis, Jenna Ellis, and, um, you know, maybe uh, Giuliani and Meadows as well. Oh, and also, of course, the smaller fry, the Georgia state electors, who are saying already, yeah, we did it because not just the Trump, you know, the Trump team, but the president of the United States, Donald Trump, told us to do it. You know, they want a future in Georgia politics. It's not going to be a future with Donald Trump. They're very strong candidates to um, turn state's evidence and testify against him in particular. So let me be very clear about something. It doesn't make a difference how much money that you have. You never have more money than the United States government. You're never going to have more money than the district attorney's office, even in a place like Fulton County, Georgia. You're just not. They have unlimited resources. They have time on their side, right, despite all of this nonsense that, hey, we have to push it, we have to push it. It's clearly not true because D.A. Fonnie Willis really took her time in order to draft the indictment. Now, let me just say that it's not things- true, but it is true, because here's the one thing that's real so far. You know, Chesbro, Powell, and now maybe Eastman say they want a speedy trial. The law in Georgia is clear. They, the, the jury's impaneled by uh, November 3rd. or They're acquitted. That's pretty true. Now there's all kinds of questions. Who's lumped with them? What happens to removal? But that part of it, and I think the hearing brought that home today, that part is true. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, that part is definitely true. But so, look, um, the Fulton County DA's office, right, said that it plans a it planned for a four month long Mm -hmm. trial. 
with more than 150 witnesses. Right. I mean, that's staggering number, 150 witnesses. You know, while the defense attorneys, right, for, um, you know, uh, Chesbro or Cheesebro, however Chesbro, the fuck by the way, I'm here to tell name. you. No, it Chesbro. is Chesbro. Yeah. Be on the... Be on Team true, team accurate pronunciation here, Michael Chesbro. Okay, okay. go ahead. Chesbro yeah. and and Sidney Powell, oh. right? That they want, as you just said, to sever their cases from the rest. By the way, as does Trump, right? So now we're talking about real scheduling issues that are going to take place because I just can't imagine that they're going to. I mean, it's going to be like one after the other after the other, you know, and. I mean, look, you have the judge that uh, has is presiding over it, this uh, Judge um, McAfee, right? And he denied the motion for both Powell and also for Chesbro um, for, you know, their requests uh, to sever their cases from uh, each other. I found it interesting, and obviously they're going to appeal that decision, I would suspect that they will, which after, again after is just a but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, after right after conviction, but uh, I suspect that they will. Nevertheless, you know, I believe that Fonnie Willis legitimately wants to try all nineteen at the same exact time, which is amazing because you're talking about defendants from as high a public office as the president of the United States of America to his attorneys, all the way down to election workers. I mean, talk about the gambit, right? Yeah. But, you know, prosecutors always want to try people together. They, the dynamic's great for them. They, they point the finger at one another. Defendants want to uh, to be alone. McAfee, I thought, was pretty, who all in all impressed me at this hearing. I know he's a kid, Federalist Society, et cetera. But I, I thought he handled it well and was really on top of stuff. Anyway, he he's basically saying, I'm not going to do that, um, even though he just, uh, as you said, rejected Powell and Chesbro's motion to, to separate one from the other. And he went through sort of the standard factors. He then said, but I have a little more discretion than that. And he basically sees one trial of 19 people starting no less in November as being bedlam and he won't uh, do it. But but a really important headline, right? The second headline today, anyone who had thought about it could have seen it coming based on her previous RICO trial, which was eight months three, after people had pleaded out already, three months for jury selection, four months for their case, even if that holds let's say a month for jury selection, a month for the defense case. We're talking about six months. And that's simply for, you know, Chesbro and Powell, because they're insisting we got to prove everything for every defendant, even though that'll mean big chunks of their case kind of have nothing to do with the two who are there. But think about it. It starts in November, that ends, say, in May. Um, it, it, it just got way less likely that the Fulton County case against Trump and whomever else will proceed before November because we're now taking account of something people hadn't quite realized before. This is going to be a really big, long case, even if it's for one of them. Yeah, which is funny because the prosecutors said the exact opposite, right? No. They said that the case <laughs> okay, would be, yeah, oh, good, they did. We got did. it going on. They All right, did. what they say? Yeah, so the prosecutors said that the case would be the same 
whether it's against one defendant or all 19 at saying. the same time. That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. So that, that way there was no reason to, you know, sever the ah. defendants into separate trials and, and so on, which I thought was a very interesting, um, you know, it was an interesting take. Yeah, but because it's a RICO case, so all the evidence is the same as to everyone. But I think we are saying the same thing. McAfee's gonna is saying I, we won't do this in one trial. We'll do the first one quickly. But since we know, but I agree, the prosecution saying we got to prove it all versus everyone. And since there's going to be at least two trials, and the first one is going to take what six months or more. That's what I mean by the odds of Trump going to trial have plummeted. But, uh, th yeah, we're saying the same thing, which is the prosecution oh, yeah. thinks it has to prove everything for every case. It's going to be, by the way, stop for a second, right? Chesbro made a big point. I'm I'm there for a memo for one thing. Uh, Powell made a similar point. I'm there for a day and a half. But they're going to put on all kinds of evidence involving everyone um, for each and every one of those cases, because that's how they've charged it. Every, you know, the defendants don't like it, but what they really don't like is RICO and the way it, it puts everything under an umbrella. Not, it's not about severance, even though they tried to make it that way today. Does that make sense? Yeah, that yeah. they did. So, look, yeah, let's talk for a quick moment about this enormously, enormous complicated task of scheduling yeah. all of Trump's trials. Let's right. not even, you know, add in the other 18 co-defendants or any of the other cases, just Trump's calendar, right? Uh, in terms of trials and um, hearings and depositions and so on. In your mind, is it possible for all of these trials to be held prior to election day? Because look, the RICO case alone, I figure, could probably stretch to eight months, Easily. if you yeah. would. Discuss this Discuss this with me and my listeners. Sure. Well, the short answer is no. I mean, you could maybe do a calendar where one case finished, the next began the next day. But there there won't be that kind of give, especially with pretrial stuff. And, you know, remember, it's not just the criminal cases. Just uh, today, Judge Kaplan said the second case with E. Jean Carroll uh, where Trump's going to be liable, he said. He said that's going January. Yep. I don't care what people say. There's the AG. Your the case that Michael built, uh, the Letitia James AG case. That's another civil case, but another big one. October second, it starts. So it's in theory. So the short answer is no. No way. They all. Oh no 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 no. That October second. No 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 no. The short answer to the, the judge in that to case. Your question is no way. All the cases go before November. And I think after today, it's looking more likely that Fulton County will not go before then. To me, however, the ball to keep your eye on is still, it still remains, the D.C. case against Trump alone before Judge Chutkin now scheduled for March. If it goes in March or April or May, maybe even in June, then we do get a really important verdict for voters to take account of as to whether the candidate of a major party is, in fact, not just a felon, but a felon who tried to overthrow the Constitution. Anyway, that's the trial that I think is really important to happen before, and the, and I think that it will. But otherwise, before November, for everything, forget about it. And, and it also shows, I mean, we found this out 
yesterday when learning more about what Jack Smith is investigating. This is a honking huge investigation, not just involving Trump. It's going to go for years, literally, with the people who aren't Trump. But the real exigency uh, for speed is an important case before November. And that, I think, you know, should be most importantly the uh, the D.C. case out of January 6th. OK, so just again, playing with the calendar. Yeah. Just the very first few cases. So now you have in under a month on October 2nd is the start yeah. of the New York Attorney General uh, civil case. So he doesn't have to be Trump there in person for, because it's civil. But yeah, he but, it, you know, right. He doesn't defend. I mean, I mean, right. I mean, it's a minimum 250 million. I still speculate yeah. that it'll be closer to the 700 million number. Yeah. All right. One would expect that you would want to be there. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But then October 3rd, he's now court ordered to appear in the case that he brought against me for the $500 million right. in that civil lawsuit, Southern District of Miami. He he has to. And the judge said, I don't care what's going on. He has to sit for that deposition. So that's now October. They believe that the New York attorney general case will be at least eight weeks. Right. So that brings you to mid-December, give or take. Now, January, you have the E. Jean Carroll case that's starting. So at least the guy's off for Christmas. I mean, right. And so on. Assuming that the trial stops after eight weeks. Now he starts aging Carroll. By the time that that case, that, that'll be a quick one because it's going to be very similar to the last one. This is now just... Well, we now know it's damages It's damages only. only. But it'll be punitive also. There there could be a lot of skirmishes about, you know, we're trying to get at his finances and right. stuff. I don't know if it'll be that quick, but you're right. It's, you know, nothing about liability. Then, of get, then you have the March case, which is the Manhattan DA's case. And I'll, I'll tell you, Trump and his counsel, they filed... Uh, just here in New York alone, two motions within which to um, extend the period of time before which these cases are supposed to start. And the judge, uh, Judge Engoron, for example, in six very strong words, turned around and said that defendants, you know, um, defendants uh claims you know are absolutely i forget how he described it but it was like defendants claims uh lack merit uh and so on and basically shut that down trying to put off the um october case uh for uh obviously the manhattan uh attorney general you know um attorney general case so He's losing yeah. on all of these motions within which to extend it out. Now, that's a good thing because I've tried to explain to so many people, and I don't know why it's just not sinking in. This is all part of the Trump playbook. Delay, delay, delay. In his mind, he believes all of these polls that he and Biden right now are running neck and neck, dead even, if, in fact, the general election took place tomorrow. So his only out is what, right? Is that he wins the election and he makes all of this stuff go away, including most of this including most the of this state stuff. cases in his mind. He believes as president of the United States that they will not be able to pursue it to at least the bar memo, that he will not be able to be prosecuted while he is sitting as the president. 
He also intends at that point that. in time to be president for life, because as we all know, and it's not my words, it's not the great Harry Littman words, it's the words from the unhinged Donald J. Trump, that he intends to rewrite the Constitution. So he intends to be or to remain president forever, meaning that he will not be held accountable for any of this. I mean, it's, that's a hell of a game plan. Uh, you know, it's funny. It seems like he just like fastens on to something and then is, you know, just goes um, uh, about it. And, and you know, it, it, it's clear that there's no legal out. It, it would have to be a political out. But you're really right about, you know, there are various judges. Kaplan's a very good example. Your deposition's a very good example. Yeah, they know about these criminal cases, but hey, their case is pretty important. And as Judge Chutkin said in uh, the last hearing, you know, uh, he's so he's running for president. A lot of people have like uh, other responsibilities. He's just going to have to um, adjust his schedule to get here. So it all is coming at him like a freight train. And I do think uh, at least the success he's had in the past as an escape artist is, you know, already um, he's he he's uh, he doesn't have hope for that level of um, of success. But you know, you're right. Uh, it's a funny thing, and I know you don't, uh, and as as don't I, you know, mainly look at the politics of it. But you think of all that's happening, how each charge seems really to be both solid and diminishing of him as a person and yet here we are in polls you know as, as a toss-up there are things to say about that but one thing you know you can't discount and what a national nightmare would be he's already told us as you say what would ensue you know if he actually wins the thing so i try hard as the lawyer to just sort of focus on what happens in otherwise and I want to say that I think his Harry Houdini days are are behind him. He is really looking at a world of hurt, not to mention, you know, criminal convictions from just, you know, sort of coming at him from incoming from many different directions. You know, it's funny, though, because while all of this is going on, you brought up an incredibly important point, which is the financial drain of your resources yeah. when you're a defendant. You know, I don't have to tell you because this is what you did for so many years. The, you yeah. know, the financial drain on the defendant is enormous. The financial drain on the institution is practically nil. You're already getting paid for that job, right? And whether it's two people, five people, and so on, then the resources that they can employ against you, it's, there, there is no boundary when they... You sit there as they're trying the case, and every day, even if it's got nothing to do with you, that's another, like, five figures yes. anyway. So, you know, Jenna Ellis's little kitty will not last and long. By the way, none of theirs will. And I and yeah. we turn around, and I had asked, you know, who do you think is going to provide, you know, testimony? Who will flip, so to speak? And I really hate that yeah. word, because it's really not flipping, it's uh. cooperating. So who will be the yeah. first one to jump out, cooperate? Listen... Rudy Coludi, drunken Giuliani, as my grandfather used to, oh, my grandma used to always say, is of Gachaktatsuris. He's got some real fucking problems <laughs> on his head. Not only, yeah. not only is he financially in trouble right now, all right, 
He's also looking at spending God knows how many years behind bars. For example, we just saw the way state prison. We just as a federal guy, he knows really. He sure does. And we just saw, for example, the way the courts threw the book it. um, You know, this um, this guy uh, uh, from the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, you know, Enrique um, Tario, 22 years. They're not playing games here. All right. And the last thing that Kaludi wants to do is spend the rest of his life behind bars, not to mention financially he's strapped and he's been reaching out to Donald and Donald hasn't offered up a penny, not to any of them. So the question then becomes, what do you do when you have no financial resources? All right. You have no financial resources or you take some of these guys like Eastman or, you know, or Sidney Powell. They have families, too. Maybe their families are relying upon them for financial support. Maybe they're the bread earners of their family. What do you do when that shit gets cut off? And your lawyer's like, listen, you're going to need to put another million dollars into my Ola account. Otherwise, I can't continue to represent you. And you're like, oh, it's either that or you pay the mortgage, right? Yeah. Or your kids end up. And, and here it's worse. So first of all, you're so right. It's really harsh. I've seen it and felt it even as a prosecutor on the other side. It's it's ruinous. And that, you know, you understand why people do it, feel they have to do it. You know, there is an option. And we're seeing uh Tavares did it in Mar-a-Lago, right? He got a federal public defender who are much better than people know. But you're totally right. You don't, any any high-profile defendant doesn't want to do that. And the thing is here, they're going to have to pony up millions and millions of dollars. By the, by the way, you're not and automatically. Then, and then, let me just finish the sentence. And then they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be one right. thing if they had something really good to try for. But it, their, their cases are pretty hopeless also. So talk about a lose lose situation and i do think you're right by the way when you mentioned with rudy this is what i see is going on with meadows also they're for when they first think about it, it's like oh, it is a nightmare just keep me out of jail what do i have to do but the answer for most is you know you've passed that point you're you're gonna go to jail and and it really does matter how long under what terms and that's where cooperation does come in because you know they're looking at financial ruin Kind of for nothing. Financial ruin followed by conviction. Man, oh man, is that a tough spot. Especially when the prosecutors start holding up documents, emails, text messages, all of the, yeah, the yeah. You know, all of the information that they've accumulated over the two plus right. years. And they say, why don't you just turn around and tell me why you think it's not a smart idea for you to cooperate? Because... You're yeah. dead in the water, whether you go left and or so right. And we're talking, by the way, just so people understand what they're going to do in their offices. You know, they're going to come in and the prosecutor, look, we got we got your client dead to rights. Let me show you a few things. And, you know, so this isn't on the stand because you've been there. It's people saying, you know, look at this sign right here. Yeah, exactly. You know, they got all they got all the the uh, the leverage. And, you know, it, it, that's that is the. Big arm in the state. On the other hand, they have it because the people on the other side committed some really serious, heinous, anti-democratic crimes. So, you know, it's it's uh, that that tempers your your sense of, um, you know, their, yeah, but their remember, though, but Harry, in my specific case, 
I never met with prosecutors. They never showed me, hey, this is what we have. If you don't, what they did instead is they gave me 48 hours, not two plus years like these guys had. I had 48 hours or their threat was to indict my wife as a co-conspirator to the hush money payment, which I... They knew was my Achilles heel. I would never allow that to happen. Yeah. It's very, very different. Yeah. But it was just announced also. I'm just talking about the meeting you're describing yes. for your listeners. That'll be in an office. Come on back, you know, Ms. Ellis's attorney. Let me show you what we've got. Your call. But let me tell you, whoever comes in first gets the better deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the window's closing. You know, it's a very sobering... There. They're in the vice grip of the law now. All this sort of posturing and politics. Yeah, it's old nothing. Forget about yeah, it. Now they are. It's it is fucking yeah. real, and that that is going to induce some cooperation. And so, look, talk about cooperators. It was announced that the yeah. uh, Mar-a-Lago IT worker, uh, Yasil uh, Tavares, right. that he flipped or he's cooperating against Trump. Yes. And that he's actually even worked out a cooperation agreement. I guess it's the 5K1 cooperation agreement. Do you believe that Norda and or uh, De Oliveira Oliveira will do the same? Well, I'll start here. Man, should they ever. (laughs) They're in the exact same position. They lied in front of the grand jury as Tavares did. They got... No hope. And they've been charged with not the lies, Jess, but the obstruction. So they are really looking at a serious hit. And for what? Uh, You're already going to have Tavares telling the truth. The jury's going to believe Tavares. And, uh, you know, that it's not just that it's plausible knowing Trump, but there's a lot of circumstances. There's video, there's everything. It is friggin' crazy that they, that and, and you know, the finger, you, you feel suspicious about Stanley Woodward's role representing, uh, you know, pe- people who are uh, sort of, you know, their, their interests are uh, opposed. Maybe Nauta is somehow thinking that, you know, if I do some time for Donald Trump, he'll take care of me for the rest of my Good life. Luck. Maybe, but other than that, in terms of the case in front of them, it is frigging nuts that they are not cooperating. Now that Tavares has, it's double frigging nuts. Is that that's is that a is that a fair legal phrase? Double frigging nuts. I'm sticking by it. <laughs> so man, should they ever? And we got a we got a prisoner's dilemma game theory here going. If I can get kind of. Uh, uh, pointy-headed because now they're looking at each other. They can't talk to each other now. Right. But Nalta fears De Oliveira. De Oliveira fears Nalta. That's the kind of dynamic that makes them both want to show up, especially because whoever does it first gets a better a better deal. There's going to be a hearing, a so-called Garcia hearing, to decide should should Woodward be anywhere near them, and if they get independent counsel, any independent counsel worth his or her salt will say. Run, don't walk to the um, uh, special counsel's office, offer to plead, and if nothing else, you get this obstruction off your uh, back, which is, you know, years as opposed to just a false statement. Man, should they ever do that? And, and uh, to you know, that's eluding your question a little. Your question was, will they? My best guess is yes, just because it's so rational, but, you know, things are sometimes irrational in Trump. Yeah, I agree with you. It's funny because I was on Abby Phillip and uh, then they played it uh, at another she's one. Great. She's Yeah, she's yeah. great. I was, uh, so I was on with Abby and I said the same thing that 
Um, what will ultimately happen is that they will start to cooperate and they will use the cooperation uh, and so on. And it was funny because Jennifer Rogers, uh, as well as Ellie Honig, both said, no, 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 Possibly. it's not even necessary. They don't need them uh, and so on. Basically, almost like refuting what you and I are just saying right now. I completely disagree. But they'll take them. You're, so I see that. I can see that point. It's too late now that we have Tavares. But no nah, way. You know, they, they actually, I mean, Jennifer Rogers knows her stuff. She's a good friend. She's an excellent prosecutor. But somebody comes to them in a Trump case and says, you know, take me off from the defense table to the prosecutor's table, and I'll tell you everything that happened. And our case goes from pretty secure we, we to were actually talking about, double secure. Yeah, except we were actually talking They'll about the 18 uh, co-defendants oh, in sorry. that, in okay. that okay. case. And hard to keep, yeah. hard to keep well, it that's all, the whole, all that's, track. That's the whole okay. thing. But all of these <laughs> right. cases are like mirror images of each other. There's all of these additional co-defendants in this specific case, right? In the superseding indictment, employee number four is the Yusil Tavares, right? What's the difference yeah. between Yusil Tavares or, right, Sidney Powell or Rudy Giuliani or, East, or any of the others? There really is none. And the truth is that it's the first guy to the gate that's going to get the best deal. And after a while, you're right. They don't need the last guys coming in. All they're doing is corroborating what everybody else has already provided. Yeah. And they once they have their case, they're not going to let people out of the case simply so that they could get just the one oh, guy. No, 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 no. Home. You right away, you know this, you agree to cooperate. You're in the grand jury. You spill your guts. You're not. You're not going to oh, be. Oh, I did able not get, agree to cooperate. Um, by the way, I never signed a five. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying, but you know this is yes. a fact. So there's no getting out. Of, there's no turning back once you do it. Um, and that's and that's true. But um, you know, you it's it's a whole different situation. And again, these guys got charged with obstruction and and ju justified under the law and the facts. But really. They were kind of flunkies here moving around um, boxes. So I don't know if they get a clean uh, slate, um, but they get something. I just want to say, you you know, there are parallels, but here's the big contrast. Fulton County and others with the D.C. case where he's out there all alone and there isn't this maneuvering. And that's on purpose. You know, Smith was really wanting to do to really isolate zero in on Trump. And, you know, no severance, no whatever. That's what's well, he's got, he could try to um, to claim immunity, but he'll lose. So that's that's the real contrast. One in which Trump is out there and lonely. And if he loses, there's nothing to say. Well, I should never say with Donald Trump, there's right. nothing to say about it. But within the contours of the law, you know, he's he's just going to it's all it's just coming at him like. A I mean, look. Let me just use Tavares as an example here. So now the guy yeah. is the first one to jump ship, right? He agrees to testify in the classified documents case. And what's, what does he get in exchange? He gets an acknowledgement that he will not be prosecuted. I mean, what more? Yeah, he's going to walk. Gonna, I yes, think. yes. He's going to walk, even though he lied to the grand that, jury. Right. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna let that go, and he will not be charged with any crimes. I mean— He's not yeah. going to suffer financial ruin. He's not going to sleep at night thinking how long is he going to get and taking a look at some of the other folks, like the insurrectionist, right. 22 years, 17 years, 18 years for Stuart Rhodes. I mean, you're talking about almost you know, two decades you know, to be 
And now he wouldn't get that, but I mean, three years, it's pretty well, sober. Trust me, it you is. Know, you're going to prison. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. The 36 yeah. month is a bitch, yeah. even though, you know, I did 13, you know, uh, yeah. and so on. And where I did the 13 months is a whole lot nicer where these guys are going to end up. You know, so there's. Well, yeah, although the Fed, remember, the federal court is going to be, is, is that's where Tavares is, it's federal charges. But if we're back into Fulton County, yeah, that, I mean, that's a, an honest factor. You know, these places, it shouldn't be the case, uh, you know, but they're, but if they're above constitutional minimum, it can, then it's, you know, it's part of the deal. They are hell holes. State prisons can be real hell holes. Yeah, federal, so, by, the way, know, fed, by the way, federal too is no, you know, it's no cakewalk. Even if you're yeah. in a minimum security facility like I was at Otisville, being away from your family, yeah. the financial devastation, right. the sadness, the food, the, the, food, the toilets, the, the food sucks. You oh, know, yeah. um, and, yeah. and so on. So let me ask if you're, you. If you're a Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. believe me. You know, there's no uh, Miss Claire on number six hair dye there either. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So, look, it seems, yeah. at least it does to me, that everyone is going to be flipping on, you know, on Trump. Right. And I've said this before. I said on television, it got a lot of laughs, but I meant it, that there's going to be more flipping than at the U.S. gymnastics, you know, uh, event. First of all, you have to start with Meadows and run it straight down the line to Tavares, all of whom are going to say the same thing, right? The defense was, I was following Trump's orders. Is it any different than like what I had said? What I did for Trump, and the only thing I actually yeah. did, um, other than, of course, the misrepresentation to Congress, um, which, again, I did, like Stormy Daniels, that the direction of, in concert with, and for the benefit of Donald J. Trump. Same thing that they're going to say. I was following Trump's orders. That's right. Harry, Harry, Look, in terms Harry, of the let me, legal Harry setting, here comes the question. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. How will this play yeah. with the jury? And what does it bode for Trump? Trump cannot win. He cannot hope for an acquittal. His, uh, the, the evidence is too strong against him, not to mention that, you know, normal, like axiom number one, which uh, I want to trademark, he, he won't testify. He's toast with one, there's only one legal little hope for him, and that's a hung jury because somebody is on the jury who is a, a MAGAite and otherwise just won't follow his or her charge. This is only hope, and even then, the U.S. will retry the case. So how will it play for Trump? Trump in a, is going to be uh convicted even even if uh he's able to get a hung jury in the first in the first case he has no rational irrational uh, mathematical hope for an uh acquittal so it all comes down really it's as you said it's pol his political strategy and on the legal side just can he get some kind of jury nullification? You know, one guy we we you know we had that once in a Manafort jury, and the person actually followed the charge, said, you know, I love Manafort, I love Trump, but the guy's guilty. The evidence is is very strong against Trump, and as you say, we got many different cases. He, you know, he's toast as a legal matter. That's how to play in front of a jury, and that's I, you know, it is true. Even to to um, Jennifer Rogers' point, with you know, with more cooperators, fewer cooperators, the guy has zero chance of an. Acquittal. I totally agree with you. There's only one problem. You're speaking 
as the great Harry Littman prosecutor, knowledgeable lawyer. Here's the problem yeah. when it comes to Donald. If, in fact, there is an acquittal based upon a hung jury, I shouldn't say acquittal. There's a hung jury. It's no, not no, an acquittal. that's not an it's acquittal. Not an acquittal. Yeah, go ahead. So there's a hung jury. Donald yeah. will declare yeah. it as an acquittal. Full exoneration. Yes. It's a full exoneration. I've yes. won. I won. They're gonna and they're just gonna right. keep. They're gonna keep. No collusion. They're, they're no just gonna keep doing whatever. this to me again and again and again because they're putting me right. between you and I'm protecting you and on and yeah. on and on. Right. This is this is a. But they will. And let, assuming he doesn't win the presidency, they will do that. They'll retry him. And then it doesn't matter. He can squawk all he wants because he doesn't have an ability to leverage the uh, enmity or the antagonism of his fans in a way that helps save his skin. They've crossed it now, the the path, the Rubicon now. They're charging him. If he gets a hung jury, they'll retry him. He, except for the political, and that's it's not a small except for. I mean, we are at some crossroads as a country. But that aside... He's got no no real his only prospect is some kind of, you know, clemency or something at the end of the day where some political official decides, you know, we're we don't want to see we don't have to see him in jail. But getting out, getting away from the charges, ixnay will not happen, even if he gets, you know, one or two. Uh, they'll, they'll keep trying. You know, what's amazing, too, is talking about money as it relates to Rudy and to uh, yeah. you know, Meadows and Cheesebro and all the, the, the 18. Right. Chesbro. The, <laughs> yeah. the co-defendants yeah. and so on. What happens hypothetically if all of these maggot morons stop feeding the beast? And stop sending in money every single time yeah. Trump sends out a text message, which is about 30 times a day, asking for more yeah. and more money. If they stop and they cut off that spigot, I don't even know where his money will come from. Because he's got a dozen and a half lawyers all over. He's got legal issues all over the place. I mean, it's like, what, six yeah. different he, he matters going on at the right. same time? What happens yeah. if they cut off that spigot? Then all of a sudden, he's in the same position, and you can say, oh, it's not true, it's not true. The guy is, the guy's cash poor. It's so, it reminds, his, it reminds me of, there was a great uh, Family Guy episode where Peter Griffin gets into a fight with Donald. It's like the you know the Peter Griffin versus the chicken fight that goes on in every single episode. <laughs> but this is one instead of the chicken. It's Donald, and he just goes straight up to Donald's face and he goes, "You are cash poor." And so in here, oh. and then Donald turns and says, "Say that to me again. I dare you." And then he goes, "You." <laughs> Trump are cash poor as they end up in this massive battle with Melania throwing to Peter a uh, a nine iron telling him to kill him. I mean, it's really very, very funny, but it's true. He does not have the cash. Look, flow. it's ruinous. Does he if he if if his quixotic effort to capture the presidency is, is, is done, uh, does even he think. Well, this is the best deal I can now make is, you know, to to have 
to resolve these 98 cases against me. He won't able, be able to do them all, civil, criminal, et cetera. Right? And then, you know, what? what's the minimum I'll have to do? Step away for all time? Well, that's that's been shown anyway. That's Look, it's long since been clear. Something like that makes sense. But he's in his, you know, Trumpian way wanting to wanting to go for broke, I guess. And um, but you're, you're right when they of course, that's a big if. Right. Somehow that is the one thing he's always been able to do is milk things on the political side. But now what he's looking at is a state of the world where. It doesn't matter if if he does all that and gets more and more and he's sentenced to 20 years in Georgia State Penitentiary or five years, whatever, you know, uh, good luck with all the all the donations. But it's all part and parcel of, you know, trying to, to win as his improbable um, escape hatch. And that's got to say kind of up to the American people. Right. I mean, man, oh, man, oh, man, if he actually were to were to command a majority, then, you know, what shape, what is what would it say about us as a, as a country? You know, where would you what want to What does all of this to, say so. about us right now as a country, right? Well, that's we right. Are the I mean, you can blame stop. him a lot and, and he's, he's blameworthy, but man, how does, how is he, this is again, not my part of expertise, but are you kidding me for high in the polls? What the hell? Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's playing it as an open hand saying what he's going to do if he's elected, basically, uh, take a wrecking ball to the constitution. You know, what the hell you have to hope. I, you know, I've heard some pretty rational explanations for why he's much farther behind, much more remote than the, uh, than the just sort of heads up poll, you know, polling would suggest, but that he's in the ballpark universe it's is, sto- is it's, like it's a, it's totally head scratching. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this, yeah. Harry. How likely is yeah. it that Chesbro, Powell, Meadows, and even Trump get separate trials in Georgia? Unlikely. Well, I think Chesbro, after today, I think Chesbro, Powell, and I think Eastman, anyone who, who, who says, who plays that speedy trial card, and I'm persuaded that Chesbro played it because he wanted, he didn't want a speedy trial. He wanted a solo trial. And he is uh, totally uh, bent out of shape that, oh my God, here in, into my little lifeboat. <laughs> now here comes Sidney Powell. And, and now John Eastman is climbing down the rope ladder uh, to us. But they're not, he's, he, the judge, is not going to separate those guys out. But he is going to say, speedy trial happening so quick, that'll be separate from everyone else. So the big question will be, what about the other, let's say it's 16. First of all, you got to imagine a good number of them, three, five, eight, ten, will plead out. And so it really is this, including, I have to think, one or more of these, you know, inner circle, mm-hmm. the, what, what uh, Pence memorably called uh, a gaggle of crackpot lawyers. So now, but so my best guess is that M- McAfee will try to hold it to two cases Maybe three. Why I say maybe three is if Meadows by chance gets removal, which he shouldn't, he could possibly be over there on his own. But basically, with that sort of an asterisk to the side there, I think two trials, both really long, very convoluted. And I don't think the Trump trial um, soon enough, but it's the speedy trial types, maybe three of them, and then the remaining seven or eight or nine uh, not what Trump wants, because they're all going to point the finger at him during the trial. 
Um, but uh, I don't think uh, McAfee seemed of a mind to subdivide it any more than that. That's my best guess. We'll know better in a few weeks because he's given the state one more shot at bri- at sending briefs that say, let's keep them all lumped together. I think when he rules, he'll do it in such a way that makes clear, I'm making this divide, the speedy trial severance, uh, other people divide, but I'm not inclined to you know, slice and dice more finely than that. So let me go back then to the crazy calendar that is called the Trump calendar yeah. of trials. Yeah. The speedy trial happening in Georgia is due to take place October 23rd. Well, problem. Jury selection yes, begins. Yes, jury selection yeah. begins. Problem with that is, as I was saying, the civil case here in Manhattan with our unsinkable Attorney General Tish James begins October 2nd. They're expecting an eight week trial, I think is how long that the court has, you know basically held up the docket um, or the calendar, um, the judge's calendar for it, which brings you far past the 23rd. I mean, that's basically three weeks. There's another five weeks potentially after that, based upon all of the defendants, um, based upon, uh, I'm sorry, uh, all of the witnesses to which I'm subpoenaed to testify in that matter as well. And I know that I'm not going at the very beginning, which means that there's going to be plenty of witnesses that the prosecutors are putting on, not to mention the number of witnesses that the defendant will then call, as well as the cross-examination. Could you imagine? I believe that cross-examination by Trump's counsel, just of me alone, is going to be a full day. They're going to try to keep me there at least the full seven, eight hours that is permitted. What do you what do you see happening here? Do you see this October 23rd? All this stuff. I see. I see things giving ground massively. I see his being able to delay. All all this stuff is loosey goosey, except the speedy trial under Georgia, because if November 3rd, the jury isn't impaneled, they're acquitted. That's the thing that can't happen unless they themselves give up on their speedy trial demand. So it doesn't matter. And, and you know, the uh, Fonnie Willis is, is oh, she's so um, sort of uh, big time prosecutor going in and saying, we're ready. She's got to say that. That's the one thing that is set in stone or is, at least is in the control of the defendants. If they don't budge, it doesn't matter what else is going on. That trial will begin by November 3rd. I mean, it's even going to get crazy if they haven't picked a jury and it starts to be like, you know, Halloween, right? They'll they'll stay 24 hours a day. So everything else, I think, will give ground. Judges will talk to each other. There'll be, you know, a little bit of kind of play in the joints. Who will go first? Who will persuade whom? Looks like Alvin Bragg, who, you, as you say, is supposed to go early, might might be, um, you know, amenable or or gracious about letting it go. But unless they stop in Georgia, in uh, Georgia, their demands, it's going to be November third. So that trial, and you're right. Four months, maybe five months, maybe six months, that's happening. So everything gets kind of built around that. And it's a criminal trial. He's got to be there for it. We're talking, you know, Super Tuesday. We're talking about the convention. It's a bloody mess. But that is the one anchor point that, you know, it's they're not going to let him be acquitted. And that's that's the choice under Georgia Speedy Trial Act. It's a little bit crazy, but you don't you can't you can't just do these normal continuances as you would in other cases. 
given the drop dead um, factor of they get to walk if the if the jury hasn't been impaneled on the third. Yeah. So today I was over at my favorite place, the Regency, and I was having uh, a cup of coffee. <laughs> I had my daughter and my niece were with me, and this lady just comes over to ask me a question. And I thought it was such a good question. You know the real deal, Michael. Tell us the so truth. So right. she comes exactly. over and she asks me a question. I'm saying to myself, my God, what a great question. I have to ask the great Harry Littman his <laughs> opinion on this. <laughs> okay. And here's what she asked okay. me. Okay, all right. Pressure's on. Here's what she yeah. asked me. Of the 18 right. co-defendants to Trump, who has the most to fear legally and... Who could do the most damage to Trump if they decide to cooperate? Uh, okay, so I have an opinion here. The most to lose legally, Giuliani. The second most, Meadows. The most damage to Trump is the reverse. First, um, uh, Meadows, and then probably Giuliani. Although, you know, first Meadows for sure. Giuliani, who does, I'm sticking with most to lose, um, is such a terribly non-credible witness that maybe even though he knows a, a lot he knows where the bodies are buried as it were he buried a lot of them himself he'll you know his by the time people are done with him on cross he would be completely non-credible but meadows could definitely kill him uh there are other witnesses who could who aren't even charged like and probably will cipollone and philbin but if it's but 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 so i'll say julian can lose the most meadows second meadows could hurt, hurt him the most and second to uh, Meadows as to who can hurt him if it's not Giuliano because he's not credible. I, you know, it's just another of the highly placed um, lawyers like maybe Eastman because he was, uh, you know, present the whole time. Uh, you know, C Cassie Hutchinson and others are sort of standing. They'll say, you know, they know that some of the terrible things happened, but they're not defendants. So. Meadows, first and foremost, can really can really hurt him the worst. Yeah. You know, there's just again, there's so there's so many and we don't really. And my response to her was, yeah. right. We don't know the evidence yet that will be coming out right. at trial. For all you know, it could be somebody else. It could be that they have some information yeah. which is just totally destructive and shows that Trump never believed any of this. And this oh, entire, yeah. this entire thing was nothing more than a attempt to hold on to power at any and all cost. Yeah. Let me stick with Cipollone for a second. We heard him dodge any question having to do with executive privilege, but that got held against him to the grand jury. He gave all that up, you know, Cassidy Hutchinson, others. So the other, witnesses are are going to be pretty strong here and we we haven't seen you know everything i think that was strategic there's a few things that are really big that we know he didn't put into the indictment he's waiting to unveil by the way that's also part of the dynamic with severance so mm -hmm. another reason defendants generally want to draw they want the preview they sure. want the you know they want to sit be sitting there taking a lot of notes during the chesbro trial because it's you know that they'll, they'll have seen the evidence see how it plays uh, you know, and the like, because I think you're it's absolutely right. Your surmise that Smith's got a lot mountains of evidence that we haven't seen. And one more point, axiom number one, House Trump, who can, can pontificate all he wants on the campaign trail, House Trump going to try to make his case. 
not by testifying. He just can't do it. So so if you really think about it, it gets a little nerdy, but through the prism of the rules of evidence, the, the points that he wants to make, it's not even clear he can. So he's going to get clobbered. Yeah, I agree with you. So look, in response to reporting that Trump was warned months ahead of time oh, yeah. that he would face a raid by the FBI by lawyer Evan Corcoran, the lawyer himself was warned not to bring it up again because if you push Trump with subpoenas, he'll right. go ballistic. And by the way, right, I've right. seen this a thousand times. There are, there are certain things when he doesn't want to hear something, no matter how good the advice is, no matter how smart it is to ensure that he doesn't do X, Y, and Z, you cannot bring it up to him for fear that you're going to be gonzo tomorrow. So yeah, luckily, he'll bite your head off. That's yeah. what Meadows was saying, so right? Luckily, and even that, even the talk. Did you hear? I mean, that's part of what Carcoran had to say. He went down. Okay, I'm flying down here, Mr. President. We've gotten the subpoena. Let me. And and he couldn't even get Trump to focus. Trump is just like you know, uh, just dishing on Hillary Clinton and how he's being mistreated. Absolutely. You know, the the guy's a child. Uh, he in, is. In so many I call ways. him that. I call him the man child all the time. But luckily for Corcoran, yeah. right? At least that idiot saved the receipts. And, you know, he wrote recurrent theme. He put a a memo together. Recurrent theme. People who deal with Trump know they better have proof because he'll break law, then deny and lie. People like, I mean, we heard it from Raffensperger, from Comey, from me. He may may think it's, but I'm doing voice memos, right? Yeah, Raffensperger, Michael Cohen, Comey, uh, and Evan Corcoran, really good example, right? right? He did the voice memos right away, which makes him admissible. He's a lawyer. He knows he's got to protect himself also. Right. Trump, you know, anyone who's dealt with him, I I think knows the sad story. So, as you just said, Corcoran makes these contemporaneous, you know, of series of voice memos and so on to memorialize the exchange to protect his ass. So now you have solid evidence. If you would discuss with me the importance of Corcoran's revelation, as well as the damage that those voice memos, those contemporaneous notes can do for this case. You know, I think it's pretty huge. Remember, we already had the big uh, one, one big part of it, which is Trump saying, well, what if we don't comply? That's killer evidence already. That comes in, by the way. And, ha- and how's he going to rebut it if he doesn't uh, testify? But this is his lawyer. I mean, the the things that you tape with Raffensperger and Corcoran, it's all the more probative, I think, and influential to a jury because Trump is there thinking, I'm protected. I've got the attorney-client shield or whatever, or Raffensperger won't be taping me. And that's when when Trump really sort of tells the truth. So, you know, he he's made it seem like, oh, you know, what a what a terrible um, uh, turn of events that, that they came after me with a search warrant. Give me a break. We now know the 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 um, lawyer said to him flat out, it's a it's a subpoena. <laughs> if you don't comply with it, there's going to be a search warrant, et cetera. So there's nothing to be surprised about. But that kind of evidence, those exchanges, when the jury knows that Trump thinks they're not going to be able to hear it, and they do. In my experience as a prosecutor, that stuff is 
Yeah, that's cool. Trump actually saying to his lawyer, what if we just don't comply? You know, you can almost say that and rest your case. You know that he's it's not about what he that he thinks he can lawfully do stuff. It's about what he thinks he can get away with, which is a lesson you've been, you know, proclaiming for four or five years. You know, the funniest thing is with Raffensperger. It was a phone call that was made out of the Oval Office, and every phone call is actually recorded. And so how he thought that yeah. it wasn't going to come out, I don't know. But I did want to ask you something that you know popped up, and it, it really intrigued me. And I'm sure it's going to intrigue my listeners, too. There was a watchdog group, and I forget the name of them, that sued to block Trump from the Colorado ballot, citing the 14th— yeah, yeah uh, citing the 14th Amendment disqualification clause. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think that that can actually occur? Are there enough states that can invoke the 14th Amendment disqualification clause, keeping him off the ballot, thereby no chance that the guy could win no matter what? Don't we live in strange times that an arcane provision like that is sort of on everybody's mind? So here's my here's my take on it. I'll try to keep it short, but it is complicated. I agree with the, you know, with Tribe and Ludig and those guys that it's self-executing in the sense that you don't need anything more in terms of the table being set that, you know, he's done it. He's done what somebody could determine really was insurrection, and then it's straightforward on the Constitution. But the big question is, who is that somebody? So, you know, in the past, the Congress has been the one that's that's implemented it. That can't happen here, and it'd be a flawed scheme if it if it were, um, because that you know there's the, it's it's partisan. So they think it'll go to the Supreme Court. I think it'll go to the Supreme Court. I think at least one or more states will actually say. I'm looking at my best evidence, just as I would decide, guys, 34, not 35, I'm deciding he's committed insurrection. Then in the traditional American way, they'll sue and it'll be joined. And here's my worry about the U.S. Supreme Court, that they'll, as they did in the gerrymandering case, they'll say something like, this just isn't for us to decide, even if it's 98 percent that Trump committed insurrection, that kind of fact-finding, which is what's needed, that's either for the political branches or the or some like other process, but it's not our final call. So I think, even though it'll be all served up, I think their decision, and I think they'll make it, but it'll be inconclusive in that they'll say, you know, we, we can't make it. Now, now, that's a really troublesome state of affairs. It goes pretty far to saying that this important qualification in the Constitution, and there are only three or four of them, seems not to be enforceable. It's got to be enforceable. But at least um, as a practical matter, what I think is on the horizon, which is some states take them off the ballot, a suit ensues and it goes to the U.S. Supreme Court. My best guess is the next step, the Supreme Court saying, yep, that's the right answer. He's off the ballot won't happen. And so in that sense, it's an important, but ultimately with uh, all respect to the people who are are touting this now, but ultimately it's going to be academic. That's my, that's my sad take on that very important question. You know, what's amazing though, to me is going back to so many of these GOP, these MAGA morons, and you try to have an intelligent conversation, which is virtually impossible when you're dealing with somebody with four teeth and three brain cells. You're having, trying to have a conversation with them about 
the things that Trump has done, the 91 counts yeah. that are currently against him, the litany of litigation, the plethora of charges and so on. And all they keep doing is going back to Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. Right. Meanwhile, I understand. We had a bad day today. I don't know if your I, listeners I, I know. I know. I was going to just bring yeah. that up, that Hunter yeah. Biden, uh, that the special counsel yeah. that was assigned to the Hunter Biden case is actually going to seek an indictment uh, on gun charges yeah. uh, before the end of this month. How do you think that that ends That's up right. affecting Joe Biden? Even though Hunter Biden is not running for the presidency, it's Joe Biden. You know, and... How do you think that this is going to end up affecting Joe Biden's campaign? Because all they want to do is look for anything with the Biden last name to turn around and justify the multitude of counts pending against Trump. Yeah, I think so. Look, any rational person will say, you know, if Hunter Biden uh, and, you know, when he was in the depths of drug use, said he didn't use drugs on a gun application many years, that really says nothing about Joe Biden. But then we have the big irrational cohort, which is pretty big, and the, and it will give rise to very bogus, but uh, what aboutism that maybe will stick. I don't think it'll stick on for anyone who isn't already predisposed to Trump, but it might uh, stick on with some people who would otherwise maybe be peeled away. But it'll be like, oh, every, you know, all politicians are corrupt. The Bidens lie, Trump lies, etc. And uh, as a way of discounting Trump's far, far, far more serious crimes, not to mention, as you suggest, committed by him, <laughs> not his uh, son. So it shouldn't right. have any purchase. But um, and I think the people it, it has some purchase on are already kind of there for him. But the opportunity cost of not peeling them away, I think it I think it matters. I think Republicans think it matters. And that's why, no, even though they they cynically realize this got nothing to do with Joe Biden, uh, it's why they want it to happen for that that kind of bogus. I mean, let's just point. not forget that you have Jared Kushner with six hundred and forty million. Jared and Ivanka make literally made during the four years that they were you know, um, special advisors to the president. Yeah. Let's not forget the two plus billion dollars, closer to three billion with all of the other Gulf Coast countries uh, putting into some new hedge fund that he started. A guy who's completely inept at the area, uh, never been in it before. So, you know, I'm not just trying to be mean. Uh, I mean, this is just not his world. It's not his forte, um, you know. Fair enough. But once you're in that game, you're kind of lost. Once you're third of reply is well what about jared kushner you know that they that they can just start out and have it not be the focus which it really has to be on the most serious crimes by far by a president in our history that's their that's their games yeah well harry thank you so much as always for helping to spread always knowledge pleasure. to spread truth and to give my listeners the inside track on the harry Littman knowledge i truly appreciate you uh, and i uh, thank you my brother always a pleasure man what a what a news day it's like all this all our news now is coming with like a side helping of criminal process so yeah. man oh man it's we may you live your life in interesting times yeah. thanks thank Michael. you Harry. always always fun i'll see you soon bye-bye we, we we didn't get a and again not a really good disagreement i thought for a few seconds but yeah it didn't come to pass next, next time. time harry i'll see you soon brother bye-bye And now for today's mea culpa. 
and thinking about what was on those Corcoran tapes, it's truly revelatory for those seeking insight into Donald Trump's state of mind. What you hear is a man who has nothing but contempt for the rule of law and whose primary motivation is to evade and obfuscate an investigation. I mean, just like a fucking spoiled child, he held on to these documents because they were his and were classified, well, because he said so. And were declassified because he said so. To the exasperation of his lawyers, he would drone on about being unfairly targeted. But he took great pains to cook up an almost obvious obstruction plan. I mean, there was nothing surreptitious about what happened at Mar-a-Lago. It was a clown show happening in plain sight. Yet, here we are, my friends. I mean, it would have been so easy for Donald to just give the fucking boxes back. But he didn't. He wouldn't. Perhaps because what was in those boxes was a lot more serious than some North Korean love letters. And hopefully that these tapes and whatever else comes to light from Evan Corcoran proves to be the roadmap to obstruction as well as the smoking gun that will lead to a conviction. And as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. This is-